Well, it's good to see y'all here this morning. And I do have a few things I wanted to share with you. So anyway, take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. I hope that some of these things will enlighten you a little bit. So I do want to share a couple of these thoughts with you and hope that it will help you. 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, it makes the statement here in verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Isn't that a terrible thing to say to a people at a church? You would be better off not coming together. When you come together to the church at Corinth, he says it's not for the best. He says among you, he says there's bitterness and strife and envying and just one problem after the other. But here he was talking about a particular time when they came together in memory of the Lord's Supper, which was supposed to be a, a great occasion, a precious moment, a solemn time, where it demonstrated the love that people had for the Lord and for what He's done and who they are now, what they have in Christ. The unity that they have among the brethren. And there was anything but unity. So he says in verse 18, he says, But first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now you know that there's something else that he says here. In verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. I praise you that you're doing it, but not the way you're doing it. So maybe there is a correct way of doing something. Sometimes we do, you know, the things that we know are right, but something else is missing. Did you know you can go to church and still not be right. You can read your Bible, and something's still not right. And so there's a lot of things we do that something's still missing in it. And so sometimes it's best to pause, to stop, to go back and, and take a look. And what I want you to notice was here in verse 19, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved by you, these people that don't believe right, that they may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before him his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I said, I praise you not. Because they were doing what they were doing without discerning the Lord's body. Not understanding why they did what they did. Now they should have. But you know how the old sinful nature gets in and can stir things up and it seems like it always happens. Take your Bible and look there in Hebrews in chapter 10 very quickly. In Hebrews in chapter 10, and look there in verse 26. Verse 26, where it says, For if 
We sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. So he's talking it about in reference to something he had just told them that they should do. And not to do what God says to do is to willfully disobey the Lord. Now you and I know as believers, we wouldn't purposely disobey God, would we? Well, he says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So it is the manner of some. It's their habit that they don't. So God says, I want you to do this even so as to see the day approaching. How, how many of you believe that the, the Lord could come back soon? And if you believe that, then it should encourage us to be more faithful, as faithful as we can be. Now, I know when you trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you. As the Holy Spirit indwells you, He can teach you. And so therefore, we simply are giving scriptures and tools uh, by which the Holy Spirit can use to help you to see and understand. Uh, we don't play God in people's lives. That just doesn't work. So, and we want to see what is the message of the Lord's Supper, and also have the grace to proclaim it, not only in partaking, but understanding what it means. Now, there's no way possible to fully explain everything that happens in a, a Passover and the symbols that they had and what it meant in the representation. Uh, we have a little bit of an idea and because of what the Scripture says, but as time goes on and after a couple thousand years, you'd be surprised how things change in our mind and what they don't maybe mean what it should mean. And people today, you may have trusted Christ as Savior, but don't think that, well, that's not that important. I don't need to have the Lord's Supper to tell me that Christ died for my sins. I know that. I remember that, so I don't have to do it. I believe Christ is coming back. Okay. So why should I have to do it? And, you know, looking back and looking forward, since I already know that, I don't have to do it. And you'd be surprised as people can live their lives as a Christian and never partake of the Lord's Supper. They never come together. They just don't do it. They don't need it. If God says we need it, do we need it? If God says to do it, should we do it? You see, you don't need thousands of verses that says the same thing. All you got to have is one verse that God reveals His will and says, this do, this do in remembrance of me. How many times should God have to tell me that? One time. And I'm supposed to obey whatever God's Word tells me that I should obey. And faithfully partake of it as often as you do it. At Calvary Community Church, we observe the Lord's Supper at least 12 times a year. And there are seven reasons we observe the Lord's table. And number one, and you've heard me say this many, many times, it is a divine suggestion. No, I've seen a sign one time that says the Ten Commandments were not ten suggestions. Anybody ever seen that? This is not a suggestion. It is a divine command. And the celebration of the Lord's Supper is a solemn obligation to assemble with the people of God to remember the Lord's death. 
Anything that hinders you from coming must be put away in order that you may show his death until he comes. There's something that we show by the demonstration of what we do at the Lord's Supper. And this is what makes it so very important. Is it possible that we can lose the importance of that because we just do it so many times? Or because we sing certain songs so many times, it's lost its meaning to us. And we just sing out of rope memory. And little by little, things lose their importance to us. That can also happen with the Lord's Supper. And this is why it's so important. Number two is a blessed privilege. We welcome every opportunity to please Christ. If this is one thing that we could do that would please Him, I would say it would be one thing that I'd want to do. I'd want to do what it takes to please the Lord. We are invited to come and sit at His table and with Him as our host. I want you to take your Bible and look there in the book of um, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And notice just a couple things that are mentioned here. Luke 22. Look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover, that we may eat. They said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? He said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good men of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? For I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he had said, and they made ready the Passover. When the hour was come, he sat down, and all five of the apostles showed up with him. Wouldn't it have been something that they'd have had to pass over? And uh, Jesus said, well, where, where's John? Oh, you know, he's, you know, he's married. He wanted to be here, but he just wasn't able to make it. Oh, well, where's Peter? Peter. Well, he, he was talking to somebody there. You know, he just talked on and on and on. He just talks all the time. And he's in an argument with somebody. Well, he wanted to be here. But he just told me to tell you that he'll be there in spirit. Now, these are things that I've had people tell me. So this morning, we have a lot of spirits. This is one spirit-filled church. There's a message here somewhere. And so you find out, he, how many of the disciples do you think he wanted to be there for that? He had 12. How many do you think he wanted there? He wanted 12 there. Do you think he expected them to be there? So it's an important thing. It's a God-honoring thing. It's what we do because God says so. You don't always do what you want or like. It's what God says. Just whatever he says. Whatever God says. I learned a long time ago, 
I don't want to fight with God. I don't want to argue with God. I don't care to debate with God. Why? I lose. Why argue with somebody you know you're going to lose? Why argue with your wife? You know you're going to lose. You know that before you ever start. I didn't need to say that. Well, I'm glad we're having communion this morning. I can confess my sin. What ingratitude when any of us fail to attend the Lord's Supper, especially if it was possible to do so. It would be a shame if we think it's not important or we have ingratitude toward the things of God or to the church because we just don't think about it. And so, therefore, it's nonchalant. It doesn't matter. So keep that in mind. It's a necessary memorial. The Lord wants us to remember Him. What a rebuke. Because sometimes, you know, if you study the Old Testament, you'll find out one of the biggest problems of the nation of Israel is they would always forget. He says, you forgot, you forgot, you forgot. There's things that I forget. We always seem to forget. I can forget where I'm going driving down the highway like I did the other night and almost didn't make the turn. I forgot because I'll be thinking, preaching. Sometimes I forget about the speed limit. I'll be driving down the highway, and if the music is fast, I drive fast. But we forget, and God knows that we forget. So will God's people forget the great price that was paid for their redemption? Don't take it seriously. Did you know how you live your life reveals what his death means to you? How you live is revealed. About his death. How precious that was to you. Your whole life should be one big thank you to the Lord. For all that he's done for you. Unless you forget. Will they forget whom they belong? Can we become unthankful for our salvation? You see, you know when you're unthankful for your salvation. When you're not thinking about somebody else's salvation. When you have no concern to tell anybody else about their salvation, you've forgotten something. Do you realize where you were going? Do you realize how wonderful it is to know you have eternal life, to know that you're going to heaven when you die? And there's others that don't know that, and you have absolutely no concern? There's something missing. Oh, you may know Christ as Savior. You're going to heaven, but you're losing something along the way, and sometimes don't even know it. So lest we forget, there is a tender rebuke to keep our love aflame and our hearts aglow for the Lord. A willing testimony. Every time we break bread, we're testifying. When you do that, you're saying something, because it means something. Everything has a meaning. Now, when they did the Passover, I assure you, it was a lot more involved than what we do, but it's still important what we do. But you and I know that everything has a meaning to it when it's something that God says to do in remembrance. So there's things that God wants to trigger our mind because if he can get us to think right, he can get us to live right. Do you think that's important? I think it's important. And if everybody does it and everybody thinks about it and then everybody will have of the same mind and live like it because it's a demonstration. We witness to the fact that we are saved by faith, by the cleansing power of His precious blood. 
But it's a message that we proclaim. And by our participation, we are revealing how we think that is important to us. If none of God's people would partake of the Lord's Supper, what would that tell you? Would it say anything? Just the absence might tell you something or cause you to question. And you don't want that. We declare the Lord's death. We witness of our personal walk with Christ. And we testify of His soon return. So it has meaning. The past and the present and the future. Because this is what God says to do. As we look back and as we look forward. It's a humbling confession. Because you're admitting to God something that reduces the pride in an individual. You see, the Bible talks about when you're lifted up with pride. Pride cometh before a fall. And always remember, God is going to test your pride. So how is he going to test my pride? See if, how quickly you can get hurt. See how quickly you can get hurt. You hurt my pride. Can your pride be hurt? What would it take? And if you get your pride hurt, did you know your, your hurt can lead to bitterness? And the bitterness is like a root that springs up and defiles other individuals. Now, you won't try to do it, but it will happen. All because of P-R-I-D-E. So God wants us to remember the Lord's Supper and the payment He made. Why did He have to do that? Because you and I are supposed to understand our helplessness, our unworthiness. And as you look back, you will see that. I am saying that my sin was so great, my iniquity was so vile, my transgressions so wicked, and my guilt so heavy, and that my offense so terrible that nothing but the death of the blessed Son of God could set me free and wash me clean. When a man gets saved, it's because he has to trust Jesus Christ and him alone as his only hope of salvation because there is nothing in him that can produce any righteousness of his own that God can use as the foundation you deserve to be saved. Which one of us can God point to? Now, you deserve to be saved. You deserve it. Now, you don't deserve it, but you do. No. And so whenever you remember back, you remember back, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be saved. It was all because of the grace of God, His love for me. And it should help you to understand that as you live your Christian life, the one thing that the devil will do in every individual life is to produce the pride. You don't need God. You don't need church. You don't need the preacher. You don't need communion. You don't need this. You don't need that. You're going to be your own self-made man. Yeah. And God's going to deal with you. And so that's one of the biggest reasons why you examine yourself. Because you're looking for pride. You see, one of the things that they did in the Passover is that they would, uh, before they got started, sweep the floor as though they were trying to find uh, a little bits or crumbs of bread that might have some yeast in it, you know, some leaven in it. And make sure you get it all out. The same principle is in the man's heart. To search, to cleanse, 
to get that taken care of. Uh, look there in the 139th Psalm real quick. The 139th Psalm. 139th Psalm. There's a, a statement by David that kind of makes it clear and could be a little bit about what he's talking about. You see there in verse 23, Psalms 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. And the reason is so that you can reveal it to me. I want God to search my heart because there might be things that I don't see. Maybe I have blinded myself. Maybe I have deceived myself. And Lord, I want to be honest. I want to be clean. I want to be truthful. I want you to reveal to me something in my own heart that maybe is not right. And you don't do that unless you have within you the desire to want to correct what's there. So he says, try me and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Anyway, I think it's a tremendous verse. I am to examine myself, judge myself, and acknowledge my sin, my failures, my shortcoming, between me and my Heavenly Father. We're so quick to point out all the faults in everybody else, but we sometimes can't see the ones in our own life or in the crevices of our own mind. Things that we've swept into the closet. Maybe it's time to come out of the closet. Amen. The Lord's Supper is for accountability, and we must be honest before the Lord. Do you think God knows the truth? You see, it's sometimes, it might be that some people are afraid to take communion because they know they're not right and have no intentions of getting right, and know that if they do that without judging it, the Lord may chasten them. But did you know whether you do the Lord's Supper or you don't, the Lord can still what? Beat the tar out of you. An act of faith. The Lord's Supper not only looks backward to the cross, but forward to the crown. You see, you and I right now, we're, we're bearing our cross. And one day, because of how you bear your cross, will depend on whether or not you get a crown. There's rewards that God's going to have in heaven for us. But remember, Christ suffered before the glory. You and I are suffering now in this present world, in this present body, but one day we're going to have a new body and we're going to be rewarded with the Lord and we will be together with Him forever. But you see, our memorial service is till He comes. Whether we will forever or not, I don't know. I know that God told the children of Israel, and this shall be done to their generations forever as a sign. But that's a, another message. It's a celebration from the coming to the coming. It's a memorial that is only for the time of His absence. The Lord's Supper is for identification, demonstration, encouragement, and faithfulness. Because if God tells you to do something and you don't do it, are you faithful? You see, by the faithfulness of our presence here today, our faithfulness to come whenever we can, our faithfulness to study the Word of God, our commitment to explaining the gospel to people and to live a clean life. That God, it's all a sign of our faithfulness, but it reveals our faith in the Lord, what we really believe. It's James chapter 2 in action. 
Faith without works is dead. No profitability to it. There's no rewards for it. It doesn't profit anybody. So therefore, you and I have a responsibility as a child of God to, to serve the Lord and to be found faithful. A solemn warning. We are not to partake of His body and His blood carelessly without a heart-searching self-examination. Do not be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus by partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner or by purposely missing Holy Communion. It's, it's not wise. It's something that God wants us to do, and therefore we do it. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. You see, we believe that when Jesus Christ came into the world, He died on the cross and paid for the sins of every individual that's ever been born into the world. And by that payment He made, He made it possible for everybody in the world to have the free gift of everlasting life. But the wages of sin is death. So Jesus Christ was born into the world. A body was prepared. And the Son of God, the second head of the Trinity, was indwelt in that body. And He lived a perfect life. He had no sin, didn't have to die. And His blood was not contaminated with an old sinful nature. Therefore, He had precious blood. His precious blood was incorruptible blood. His blood, I believe, lasts forever. And I believe His blood that He shed in order to give His life, because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And He says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your sins. In Leviticus 17, 11. And because uh, His blood was then taken, I believe, into the throne room of God and placed upon the altar. There's a temple there. The one that Moses made was only a pattern after the one that he saw. So we have someone who loves us enough that was willing to give his life. And the reason he did so for every individual, because not one person could save himself. And because he loved them all, he died for all. And whenever he came back again from the dead, he said, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would give us as a free gift everlasting life, and we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. And we're to do this because it's the will of God, so that you can be clean as you ought to be. No, we're not perfect in ourselves, we know that. But it's something God wants us to do, to confess things to him. First John 1 John 1.9 if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the, the Father to the child, to you and I.